Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on 9 to Noon to help you navigate family life. What happens to children when they have to step into a caring role, usually carried out by an adult? Does taking on emotional and functional responsibilities beyond their years impact on development? And at the other end of the lifespan, many children are taking part in the care of older parents. How does this affect family relationships? Psychologist Saab Johal, good morning. Johal, why can't I say your name today? Good morning to you. <laughs> good morning, Catherine. How are you? Uh, this is a really interesting subject. You You've dubbed it parentification, inverse parenting is another phrase I've heard. Is this when younger people end up almost taking the the carer role? What sorts of situations? It's called also role reversal as well. So yeah, as you said at the beginning, it's the idea where the adult is somehow assuming the dependent relationship and a parent-child relationship. And so as a result of that, the child's kind of expected to fulfil these adult responsibilities. But at the same time, they're sacrificing their own need for attention, comfort and guidance in order to accommodate and care for those different needs. Now, they may be logistical needs or they might be emotional needs as well. And it's often not just the parent, but there are also other siblings involved as well. So they may be stepping into a caring role for them too. What sorts of examples might this happen? So there's some physical, social or economic reasons why this might happen. So it might be that the parent needs to be away from home in order to kind of fulfil the family's financial responsibilities. And so in that case, what tends to happen more often is this more instrumental parentification. So that's when the child might be um, fulfilling tasks like helping to cook or paying bills or going out to do the shopping or, or cooking for the family. And of the two, um, instrumental prevent, uh, parentification seems to be the least problematic. So, so long as the uh, the child is getting uh, parental support and acknowledgement and able to do that and it's developmentally appropriate for them and they're still able to participate in all the things that they need to do as children, then they can even get a sort of sense of accomplishment and a competence when, when doing that, so long as it's carefully managed. The other more damaging and destructive type is more the emotional uh, parentification. And that might be when the parent is somehow uh, incapacitated. So that might be because of uh, mental health problems or, or addiction problems or some kind of something's going on in the family, which means that parent can't fulfill that role. Um, and so the, the, the child then is... St- is being expected to often um, act as a confidant or um, a support person or or help in some kind of crisis intervention. Uh, and so they're expected to try to gauge and respond to the emotional needs of a parent when they're very young themselves. And often the parent is not reciprocating. It's not a two-way relationship. The parent is really very becomes dependent upon the child. That's the classic inverse parenting, isn't it? The child acting as parent. Can that emotional... 
um, problem or, or uh, situation that a parent is in when they're not able to emotionally nurture fully their children? Can it happen two ways? Can it be that that also leaves a gap where the child becomes the parent perhaps to siblings as well or as becoming the support to the parent. Yes, uh, and that's very much the case. Yeah, research is relatively limited on this, but what seems to be happening is that often if there's a, a child who then is parenting the sibling, often that might be a dependent relationship between the younger sibling and the older sibling, but if there are a few siblings together, then often they may have a symbiotic relationship where perhaps one child is dealing more with the emotional needs of the parent, whereas another child perhaps is dealing with the caring needs for the family, being much more hands-on with the logistics. So you can see how there's almost like a, a breakdown of structure as to what the roles are within a particular family and the kids have to kind of make do and, and come up with the system themselves. What are the impacts for the different situations? What are the possible, and this will depend on age and, and other dynamics and whether there's support systems elsewhere, but what are we learning from research as the impact? Yeah, so it's, um, it's difficult to know um, because there's actually been more research done on um, children and as they're going through it. And it can show itself in, in different ways. It may be depression or anxiety. It may be more kind of externalising behaviours, they're called, so aggression or, or substance abuse. But what it does seem to, to do is that it, it seems to interfere with the way that children can uh, figure out how to form relationships. So social relationships in their childhood, but also their identity formation when they go into adulthood. Um, so often children can experience quite a lot of guilt if they feel like they're somehow not meeting the needs that their parent is clearly requesting from them or there's an expectation there and they feel like they're failing. But often um, they can have um, identity or relationship style issues, which means that they can actually, as adults, be quite anxious about abandonment and loss and find it quite difficult to deal with um, disappointment and rejection. So when they get into relationships, often they, they can assume without being asked to this kind of caring role. Uh, and so they become the carer. They, they, you know, they can often be quite empathetic, but they can often um, feel like that's quite burdensome on them as well. So they flick in and out of perhaps being um, caring and then feeling quite resentful about having this put upon them as well. It's almost like they're living out those earlier emotional needs that weren't met or the security that wasn't provided because this is what I suppose they're missing out on, isn't it? That sense of uh, my parent or carer is there for me and I am safe in this relationship and they're not fully getting that sense of security. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And so often what you'll find is that in order to provide that security, um, children who grow on, go on to be adults who have experienced uh, particularly emotional parentification can um, take control. So they'll step up because they don't trust others to sort things out. So they'll say, well, no, I had to do this as a child. I had to sort everything out. So in my adult life, I'm not going to have a kind of like an equal relationship. That, that's a mystery to me. I don't know how that happens. I'm used to stepping up and sorting things out. So that's how I'm going to be in my adult relationship too, even if it's not asked for or required. A lack of trust that someone else will do their bit. Absolutely. Mm. And, and there's some evidence to show that there's some kind of intergenerational transmission that could happen here as well. So parents, who, adults who have been parentified in their childhood can 
uh, there's a risk that they go on to do this to uh, have a relationship like that with their own children too. So they can perhaps almost step into a, a dependent relationship with their children and look for emotional fulfilment from their children. Why would that happen when in the relationship they're the one taking control? Why would it, why would it uh, almost reverse with the child simply because we identify parenting with our own experience and how it's done? Yeah, it, it's not entirely clear, but what we think is that um, there's some kind of disruption as to what happens with um, relationships with people of your own age. So it can be with same sex or it can be with opposite sex. So what you've got most experience with is working with someone who is a parent and you're a child uh, and so you flip over that because you've got most experience with working with that relationship actually what seems to be damaged is having good relationships with your peers because you're occupied with trying to serve the needs of one of your parents either logistically and that may be taking up all of your time or emotionally where you you have this um, very enmeshed kind of close relationship and and often children can can feel very fulfilled in that role they feel like they're performing a, a good caring task for their parent but the detriment is that they're not having the time to be able to create and explore and understand how to create those relationships with people of their own age group. Are they also missing out, as I said, on that sense of security and trust uh, in someone else? And is that something that can play out later in relationships as well? I have to fix everything. I have to do everything. Yeah. Not able to rest and... And, and trust someone else can do it. Yeah. So if we look at the relationships that um, these sorts of children have with their siblings, it gives us a bit of a clue. Because uh, often they can flick between estrangement because somehow that relationship isn't going particularly well with their siblings when they're trying to get together and figure out how it is that they're going to operate in this environment to provide care for their parent. And codependency, where they, they become very dependent upon, you know, this can only work if we're all working together. You know, it's so it can flick between the two. So you have this idea of actually this is too hard. And so you can see this in the relationships that perhaps siblings have. Uh, you know, it's hard when you're a young child yourself or, or a young, young person to deal with a screaming two or three year old when you're young yourself and you have had no experience and there's no guidance for you to do that. So you can get you know, lashing out or when people are feeling overwhelmed, some behaviours that are not really appropriate in order to deal with that situation through just frustration or lack of knowledge as to what it is that one can do. You mentioned guilt and a kind of performance orientation when these people are adults and forming adult relationships. Is there also a resentment that can present somehow? Yes, and, and this is this kind of like estrangement, this guilt of not being able to perform to this expectation, but then as people get older, this realisation that perhaps that they have missed out on things or this unconscious... Um, acceptance that actually I'm the carer, but actually somehow I'm not in get, I'm not getting my needs met. So one of the one of the biggest kind of turning points for people who find themselves in this situation is really bringing that to the surface and really trying to understand that actually I have a really strong template to be a caregiver in a relationship because of my early experience. How is it that I can get my needs met, and how? And you're almost learning how to do that. So carry on about how you will, how you would do this before we go to the other end of life, mm. which is a different circumstance and perhaps involves different people. Let's carry on how you can deal with this. We've got, and we've talked so often, those things that happen when we're young become almost hardwired. They're, they're the template. We've got them. 
And the question is how we manage them and, and mitigate. So if you are someone who as an adult is is living with the realities of this, what are some of the skills you can have or some of the ways you can help someone else work through it? Mm. So one of the things to really be aware of is the kind of relationships that you, you're drawn towards or that you get yourself into. Because um, often... Uh, people who have a very caring, empathetic nature that may have been um, nurtured or, or developed through being in this kind of relationship can be exploited. Or you can seek relationships where you um, may wish to repeat that experience because it's what you know. So being able to be in a relationship where actually it's there's you can develop trust that this person is actually going to be there for you and is actually going to prioritise your needs is is an experience but it's also letting go of the idea that actually I need to prioritize my partner's needs over mine which is a very um subliminal unconscious thing that people are repeating perhaps in their adult relationships because they know no different it's a case is it of again knowing yourself and knowing uh, perhaps the reasons for a pattern of behavior and then that awareness itself can help you reset some behaviours or check some behaviours yeah. or, or talk about them. And, and often it's when somehow the system is broken um, where you know perhaps people move away or they go to uh, find a job or they, uh, they develop a relationship or they come into contact with another family where things are different. But that's not without its own challenges. You know, often if you've got siblings around and then the oldest sibling who is being parentified leaves, that can leave lots of lead to lots of feelings of again abandonment and guilt. Somehow this system is no longer gonna work because I'm not there anymore. And it can hold people in those systems too. If you are the parent who consciously or unconsciously but you suspect is leaning too much on your child for emotional support. What are some strategies for you? Yeah. So really thinking about how else you can get that emotional support that you need. So unfortunately, it does seem to be a repeating um, pattern in people's lives. There is a risk of that. It does seem to appear. So really thinking about how is it that you can enable your child to have the experiences that they need to develop and free them up to do that. There's nothing wrong with having a close relationship with your with your child. There's, it's absolutely wonderful to have a close relationship with your child. It's when you assume a dependent relationship on that and you're not able to reciprocate and be there for your child emotionally too. So really thinking about what is developmentally appropriate, how is this burdening the child and where is it where else can I get this support in my life? And the the, the danger is is that of course Lots of people feel very isolated that's, in their That's life. why it's happening in the and sometimes in the first place. It's because you're, you're feeling or sensing a lack of support. So. Yeah. Or something has happened in yep. that person's life and it's become a routine. So as, as the situation changes, then yes, it may happen in the short term, but really being aware that it doesn't become a long-term fix. Just before we, I've just got some texts coming in just before we go to the part two of what we're discussing, which is later in life. Uh, here's one. My mother was orphaned at 12 and went into service in Dublin with her sister. As the oldest child and daughter, I was expected to cook and clean and look after my siblings from an early age. In my adult life, this has meant a need to take more responsibility than I should, difficulty in asking for help, and a feeling of never quite doing enough. Until I listened to your interview, I had never related this to my mother and upbringing. Thanks. That's, that's good. Um, again, as we said, knowing and understanding is sometimes half the, yes. half the issue, isn't yeah, it? We've yeah. all got stuff and recognizing it um, and and you know just calling it out can can help 
Uh, what about kids who grow up determined not to repeat their upbringing with their kids? Does overcompensation happen too? Yeah, that, that's a risk. You know, you may actually, you know, be quite end up being uh, overcorrecting uh, in that way, which is why I, I have to emphasise that you know having a loving and caring relationship that is developmentally appropriate is absolutely desirable and wonderful and flourish helps with flourishing for for everybody in that family system. But it really is thinking about yeah, of course there are tasks, there are logistics that children can can help out with that uh, if they're developmentally appropriate. Kind of goes back to the last time I was on the show thinking about well, how do you get children involved in in homework that's uh, and housework that's appropriate but when it's the emotional side of things that's when we really need to be careful around becoming um, too burdensome for our children for their developmental stage to be able to to understand so it's really you know one of the things that um, I'm wary of is when people uh, describe um, children and their relationship as kind of like best friends you know, really be thinking quite carefully about, well, what is it that you get from that relationship? And are you able to reciprocate or are you able to kind of relieve that burden as well from your child the whole time? And how, did that, how does your child perceive that? And is there some stuff they, they don't need to know or they need to know in an age-appropriate way about what's going on with you? This was interesting, though, because this seemed to be saying that instead of... Um, repeating the pattern with their own kids, they're almost sort of leading, leaning too far the other way. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, this happened in my family. My middle child, only girl, took over mothering her siblings when I was in active alcoholism. I didn't even realise it was happening. I got sober when they were in their teens and they understandably resented me for trying to parent. That's really interesting. Mm. There's a circumstance in which it's happened and then coming out of the circumstance... The dynamics have shifted. Yes. Your comment. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the system changes and the children react in order to, to cope with that. And then the, the, the parent becomes more available uh, and wants to step back into that role again. Yet the, the children are saying, well, hang on a second, we're older now and we don't really need you in that role anymore. So there needs to be a renegotiation around and, and an acknowledgement around what has happened. And it's a... It's a long road in order to try to repair that. But it's good that she's she has an awareness around what's going on and perhaps the tasks that um, she needs to undertake and the whole family needs to go The through. same thing again. If you understand what's happened and what's happening, that can be part of relieving the stress of it and then try to work through to, to something that hopefully progresses the situation. Mm. Let's look at that other end of life, uh, which is children taking care of older parents, uh, very, very common with this generation, of course, because people are living older, mm. and often we've got that sandwich generation caring for a younger generation and an older generation. But that change, it can be very hard for the older person, for the, mm. for the older parent, to have a need now for a child, but still emotionally and psychologically be reluctant to accept that, mm. and that in itself can cause friction. Mm -hmm. How do we navigate? Mm. It's interesting. There's been some experiment, uh, experiment, some uh, surveys done asking older adults, you know, what is it that you want in this situation, and and they they come back and say things like they want to be cared about, not necessarily cared for, uh, and that that's a, a careful thing. They, they to try to to navigate caring and controlling. Um, and often older people uh, would be reporting things like um, when they're being visited by their children, they feel like they're being assessed. They feel like they're being checked up on. Uh, and, you know, things, things like, you know, when... Uh, 
They notice meaningful looks being exchanged when they find it hard to pinpoint a word that they're trying to, you know, when, when they're speaking. And it puts them on edge. And they describe saying, well, actually, I invite them over less often as a way of managing my anxiety and my disturbance around that. So the, the bigger context here is that as people age, often they can feel like control is slipping away from them. And so, you know, you might call up meaningfully to, you know, meaning well and saying, Dad, you know, it's been snowing heavily. Please don't go out and clean the pathway today because, you know, you're trying to manage their, their risk of you know, hurting themselves on a slippery path. And of course, Dad will go out and clean the pathway because that's what he does. <laughs> and that's very, very much part of his identity. So, you know, thinking about, you know, when you see what you might perceive as intransigence or stubbornness, you know, where's that coming from? You know, and is it about fear of control slipping away for that older adult? And what is it that you're doing that perhaps is exacerbating that? You know, you know, you may be trying to express caring, um, but there's a tricky balance between controlling and caring. It's also taking opportunities to show some respect or almost a positive kind of deference that acknowledges the order of things, even if the realities are changing. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, um, the, the, you know, the respect and the, you know, you may have spent most of your life obeying what it is that your, your parents say, you know, they suggest it and you do it. Um, it's only later on in life, when, you know, when, when we're becoming, you know, fully fledged adults that you might enter into more robust debate, perhaps, with your parents. Uh, but then as they age, you know, there's trying to maintain that respect, uh, but also understanding that, you know, things are changing, the aging process is you know, it's not as predictable as when we're looking after children. You know, there's, a, you know, at one, they're probably walking. At By two, they're probably talking. You know, when um, adults are, are ageing, often it's far less predictable than that. It can, it can happen and turn on, turn on a penny. I think the talking is really important because where there's friction and blow-ups, it can be the undiscussed reality that mm-hmm. that parent is sensing a loss of control. And just verbalising it and talking about how things are going to work or listening to what they say, you say or do, that makes them, that that exacerbates that. And you saying, hang on a minute, I'm sick of being over here five days a week delivering your lunches and your this and your that, and then you just talk like shit to me. There needs to be moments of honesty, respectful honesty, because things are changing and things are awkward. And one of the things that, you know, from from the... um child adult child's point of view is that often they can feel like their parent can engage in quite a lot of magical thinking you know i expect x and i expect y but without actually clearly stating what it is that they want and don't want well they can feel taken for granted sometimes too because the parent the parent still wants to be the boss and can talk authoritatively and the child's feeling like i'm doing all the giving here and all i'm getting from you is this and again the unspoken thing between them is the insecurity possibly each side is is feeling yes and the changing dynamic the the other implicit thing that often gets doesn't get talked about is like when you have perhaps um a couple that comes together uh, and they're thinking about how is it that we're going to look after our parents. You know, perhaps that's not a conversation that happens very often until perhaps it needs to happen. But often, two families come together may have very different ideas about their involvement in their adults' care. So really thinking and having that conversation around, well, what is it? What are our expectations? What are our parents' expectations? What is a good? 
what does a good son or daughter do in this situation? You know, what's our model? What is the picture that we have in our head? And can we actually talk about that? Because you may end up finding out that you don't agree or you clash and it's better to iron those out. I will never forget in the last days of my mother's life, literally the last days and weeks, we had this huge blow up over something. And at the end of it, she said, you're my baby. <laughs> baby who is nearly 40. But that was still the order of things. Thanks very much, Saab Johal. And uh, don't forget you can access our parenting podcasts uh, on RNZ's website. You can use your app, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,